Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning, friends. Welcome in. I'm Amanda Miller. I'm Dave Orsborn, and we are thrilled to have you with us this morning here in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Cam Clutter is our faithful barista, and joining us in the cafe this morning will be Father Dan Alvera and Christiana Lee, and we'll be talking about some of our favorite Bible figures. Dave, can you start us in a prayer? You betcha. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, Father. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. We thank you for this day, for this uh, time to spend with friends, uh, glorifying you, walking with you. Help us to stay close all day. Uh, See where you want to act in our lives and give us the grace to respond to your will wherever it leads us. Uh, St. Francis's prayer before the crucifix. Most high, glorious God, enlighten the darkness of my mind. Give me right faith, a firm hope, and perfect charity, so that I may always and in all things act according to your holy will. Amen. Amen. St. Francis. Pray for us. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. St. Francis. Today. Yeah. Today is the day. So does that mean it's a a proper feast for you, Dave, since you're third order? It's a proper feast. It is. Yay. Yeah. How are you going to celebrate? Oh, I'm sure there'll be ice cream at some point today. (laughs) (laughs) I like that But we do that even on the minor feasts. I'm going to have to take ice cream to next level. Oh, what's your next level ice cream look like? I don't know. We'll have to. Yeah, I have all day. Nesquik on top. Nesquik. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's a big day. I was praying over um, the life of Francis. You know, we were in Assisi earlier this year. And as we're going to talk about some of our favorite biblical figures today, um, a complicated life you know lots of adventure lots of uh unexpected turns in his life and what i was really struck with uh this morning as as i was praying over his life was uh, francis the peacemaker and really because we're just surrounded by so much violence uh in in so many different areas violent acts violent words were uh, facing issue one in November, mm-hmm. which actually no way to rationalize it or to look at it other than actually codifying or putting into our constitution violence, mm. uh, violence against families, violence against uh, mothers and fathers, and of course, violence against uh, the unborn babies. Right. And so uh, just Lord lead us to be peacemakers. Uh, today amen yeah there you have it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) a little heavy for a cafe conversation but uh you know he lived an intense life it was it was intense and he brought the joy of christ into it right and 
everyone that he encountered, um, he showed them where true, perfect joy is. Yeah. And and we know that. I go back to yesterday's conversation about uh, virtuous friendship, and real friendship is with the joy of Christ. Right. right? And holding each other's suffering well, and walking with each other in that. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. (laughs) St. Francis. (laughs) Pray for us. We are so thrilled to have two friends with us here in the cafe this morning. Father Dan Olvera, the parochial vicar at St. Paul's in Westerville. And Christiana Lee is the youth minister. Is that Mm -hmm. correct? At St. Catherine in Bexley. Morning. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Christiana, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I was born and raised in Steubenville, Ohio. Okay. Which is kind of fun. And I did go to Franciscan, which is awesome. Happy feast day. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good day. Um, As a student, we always got this day off, which was awesome. Mm, Um, You think we would? Yeah, I know. Uh, Yeah, so I come from a really strong Catholic family. I'm number four of five kids. And... um, I think my whole life I was just really, really in love with learning about the saints, in love with just learning about the faith in general. And so pretty early on in high school, I started to think about being a youth minister and maybe I should study something that would go with that. And so, um, yeah, didn't have to look very far. Mm-hmm. Just went straight to Franciscan and... Um, then I became a missionary at Damascus, okay. Catholic Mission Campus. In... That brought you to Central Ohio then? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was a missionary there from 2020 to 2022. And then I uh, got the job at St. Catherine. And here we are. And here we are. Thanks for your service. Yeah. Father Olvera. I'm here. You're also a Columbus native. Or, or yes. Also. I'm yes. Kind of like me. Yes. <laughs> not like her christiana yeah. nope. <laughs> quite familiar with ohio yes. <laughs> uh born and raised in columbus yes grandview heights mm-hmm. so not too far from here and uh, graduated from grandview heights went on to ohio state undergraduate graduate school there uh, middle school math teacher uh, for 17 years before getting the call uh, at age 40 which was kind of unusual and God's going to call us when he calls us, and it's up to us to respond. So, mm-hmm. yes, quite familiar with uh, Columbus. You got the call at 40, or did you really pay attention at 40? I would say I actually really got the call at 40. Okay. And that's a little bit unusual because a lot of priests or uh, religious get a call when they're you know very young. Uh, so I am an exception to the rule, but I, I told God, if you want me to be a priest, you're going to have to move mountains, you're going to have to really do something, but... Uh, he made it quite clear, so it's good. That is fantastic. Yeah. And how long have you been at St. Paul's now? Uh, just a little over a year uh, this past July, and it was an uh, overwhelming experience because of its size, but um, I trusted that God obviously was going to lead me where it is I needed to be led, and I I love being there. It was a, it was it was a little overwhelming. In the you were beginning. in Mount Vernon prior to that, right? Yes. Yeah. And we also had St. Luke's in Danville. That's right. So it was a nice start uh, to be with Father Hammond, who was the former judicial vicar, to get a lot of his night uh, nice insight and wisdom. 
um, it was a really good uh, place to start. And the people up there are wonderful, and so are the people at St. Paul's. And then the decision was made then to swap. Correct. With uh, Father Brandon Marty. Correct. Yes. Yeah. That was a, a diocesan decision. <laughs> yeah. I actually kind of tried to petition to say, hey, can I stay here one more year? And they're like, yeah, we're time ready. We, we think it's time for you to move on, get a different experience. And boy, is it a different experience. Wait, you're leaving St. Paul? No, no, no. From I'm sorry, St. Vincent de Paul. Oh, okay. St. Paul's my Breaking my news. <laughs> I no. almost freaked out. No, no I'm still at St. Paul's. Okay. <laughs> yes. So it's 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 a great experience. It's just um, so much more uh, to learn. Everywhere you go is going to be a different experience, and um, every single parish has a place, something different to offer. Mm-hmm. And so God obviously is putting us where it is that we need to be to form us or um, to you know interact with somebody that God is calling us to interact with. And it's not just on my end interacting with parishioners or just people that I see. It's them interacting with me too. Everybody, you know, we are putting each other's lives for a reason and we're all there to serve each other. You know, mm-hmm. God is obviously here to serve, not to be served. Right. He works in all ways. A- absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and through everyone. Mm-hmm. What grades did you teach? Uh, just middle school, sixth, seventh and eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, I taught sixth grade for, oh gosh, a couple of years, eighth grade algebra and pre-algebra for free and uh, seventh grade for 12. And I very much enjoyed uh, the seventh grade experience the most. The sixth graders were a little bit, uh, it was kind of hard. They were still in formation as far as their minds, you know, um, trying to move from that concrete to the abstract. And the eighth graders, they kind of knew everything. So, you know, they were ready to move on to the high school. But the seventh graders, it was, you could teach the concepts, they could still understand. Um, It was a really neat age. So it's a very special calling because when I tell people I was a middle school math teacher, they kind of look at me with kind of like disgust, kind of like, oh, gosh, <laughs> how could you do that? And But it really, truly is a calling to be able to teach that age because they're coming of age, a lot of influence, formation, um, but uh, it's, it's, it's a charism. It's a gift. So you go where God is calling you. That was my first uh, calling was to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Well, and in many ways, you're still a teacher, of course. Yes, I am. And because when I was in Mount Vernon, um, I got to teach in the school a couple times a month. But not only just mathematics, but this time uh, theology. And my gosh, what a love uh, for teaching God's Word. And when I was growing up, I didn't understand the faith so much. And to learn all these things, these special gifts that we have, you can't but help have this enthusiasm to want to spread it to others and teach them. Mm. So um, I actually not only take it from the schools, but I actually take it to my homilies because uh, most often I get comments from parishioners saying, oh, thank you, Father. I feel like I'm at school. I feel like I've learned something like I've never learned before. I didn't know this. So I always try to look for things that people are not familiar with because so many people are familiar with the uh, basics of the faith, but I try and take it a step further so people can say, oh, I learned something. Oh, I didn't know that before. And get them kind of like that little spark so they want to look into the faith a little bit more and say, oh, my gosh, there's just so much here. And it's true. You can't exhaust with what it is that we have. You can only continue to learn and really just absorb it and to the point where it fills you and just want to spread it and teach it to others. Aren't we so blessed that we have a faith that you can literally not exhaust? Not exhaust. Mm -hmm. Such a gift. Well, we're thrilled to have both of you with us here today as we're going to be talking about our 
favorite biblical figures. <laughs> so maybe Christiana, Father Olvera, you want to play rock, paper, scissors to <laughs> see who goes yeah. first? Let's do it. All right. Okay. All right. One, two, three. Oh, both scissors. Okay. One, two, three. Oh, Father Olvera crushes with the rock. With the rock. (laughs) (laughs) So that means we'll start with King David. And we'll start with King David. Lot, lot, lot of King David in the Bible. Yes. A lot. Yeah. And I think we start in... First Samuel, right? That's where yeah. we're first introduced, uh, mm-hmm. chapter 13. Correct. Uh, where uh, Samuel prophesies um, that the next king after Saul will be a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. And that's also repeated, I think, in Acts 13, mm-hmm. where they refer to David as a, a man after God's own heart. So at that point, David was probably... A seventh grader. I mean, he was pretty young when that pretty young when that with, happened, right? Yes. When he was anointed. Absolutely, and obviously, um, God had rejected Saul, and uh, David was the next one that was going to be chosen, and he did. He was this man after God's own heart, um, and we can see obviously the story of David just extends all the way through First and Second Samuel, and all the way into Kings. Um, his life is very significant uh, because obviously we see him as being a type of Christ. We see obviously that he is starting out as this shepherd, and obviously we always hear that uh, biblical reference to Christ being the good shepherd. So we look back at David, and it's just starting as he was very young, and we think about Christ's life and how we really get a, a taste of Christ when he was very young, where he's teaching, um, and they find him teaching in the temple. So his, his life is very significant, and we're going to hear the story of David because um, it's going to relate to Christ so much as being the good shepherd. And we see, obviously, if we have a good leader, somebody who is going to pastor his flock, then there's going to be success all throughout. But the one thing that we're going to also find with David is he is not the Messiah. He is not the Christ, and he will have his own falls also. But he's going to stay obedient to God through those difficult times, whereas we see, you know, maybe his son Solomon will stray towards the end of his life. But David, he is going to persevere to the end. And he's a good reminder of how it is that we all should live, especially as priests or bishop, that we look to King David and how it is that he is to lead his flock um, during those difficult times, during the, uh, the trials. But through the entire time, he is keeping God as his focus. I mean, he has these difficulties with Saul, who's out to actually kill him, and he's trying to flee from him, but he's going to persevere through the most challenging times of his life. And you can't imagine, obviously, if somebody is coming after you, somebody wants to kill you, and David's asking, you know, uh, uh, Saul's son, Jonathan, who's his close friend, you know, how, what, what, what have I done, you know, to deserve this? And, you know, we all ask that in our life from time to time. It's kind of like, with oh, these difficult times, what have I done to deserve this? Well, uh, I try to remind people that obviously God um, allows us to be afflicted, that people have free will. Um, and what we do is, is we just try to stay the course with the Lord to know that 
in these challenging times, no matter who is always going to be our enemy, who is going to persevere and attack us, God is always going to triumph in the end. God is always going to lead us to where it is that we need to be, and he's going to take care of us if we trust. Father Dan Olvera and Christiana Lee in the cafe with us this morning. What stands out for me here, Father, at this point in David's story, he's been anointed, Mm -hmm. and so he knows that he's God's chosen successor to Saul. And Saul's pursuing him. Really, Saul turns his back on the on his responsibilities as the leader of the Israel of Israel to go after David. So he neglects the real enemies of Israel to pursue his personal enemy. And there's all these opportunities then for that David is given in Saul's tent in the cave to kill Saul, but he doesn't. That, that I mean, that's really. Is it patience? Is it trust? Because I mean, it, those were really easy opportunities for him to claim what he's already been promised. Correct. But we also have to remember that he was God's anointed one, and God obviously saw that Saul was being called. And Saul was God's anointed one. Yes. Yep. And so he was called, and he was used for a specific purpose. But obviously, Saul uh, did not listen to the Lord, was not being obedient to the Lord. And yeah, God did have these opportunities, or David did have these opportunities to take um, revenge on his enemy. But obviously, he saw that this was an anointed one from God, that God would take care of him in a plan, and that he had to listen and trust, as you said, for what the plan was that God was telling him to do. Because God obviously was going to be speaking through uh, the prophets to David, would be speaking directly through David with his oracles, um, but that he had to see that despite the fact that somebody was coming after him, do not lay a hand on him. You have to leave him alone. I will take care of him in time, which he does. And obviously, God had a plan for how it is that he was going to um, set up this kingdom. Obviously, Saul was not the one to do it. David was going to take over. He was going to bring Judah and Israel together and how it is that he was going to lead. All this being prophesied when our Lord would be coming to establish here the kingdom on earth. So we have this foreshadowing with David uniting these this kingdom of Judah and Israel together to show we are the people of God. We need to follow him and be obedient to his commandments. And Christ is going to be the same. He's going to establish this kingdom here on earth where it is that he's going to unite the people so that obviously we can live this life of Christ so that we can enter into the promised land at the end of time, into that eternal kingdom. Um, okay, a couple of thoughts there. But Dave, I ha- something similar stood out to me in David's life as well is that um, God, well, he anointed David Right. And so he's he's promised to become king. God gives him this promise. And yet through all of this trial, David, at any one point could have questioned, are you sure? Because it doesn't seem like this is coming about. And and yet he persevered through all of that. And then even that extra level of I could claim what God has already promised me by taking his life, but he didn't grasp at it. Right. Right. Well, yeah, God, did you change your mind? Because right. I'm living in a cave. 
you know, with I'm a bunch fleeing. of strangers yeah. at that point, <laughs> you know, a bunch of riffraff kind of joins David in the caves, you know, not really the most upstanding members of the, of, of the kingdom. And yeah, I mean, at what point I mean, did David ever say, did that ever come up? I, I don't think so. Where he, he doubted yeah. the anointing. And it just makes me think of, okay, how many times do we question, right? God in amidst all of our, all of our trials, you know, and instead of just holding on to his promises, like, you know, I don't know how it's going to work amidst all this chaos, but he said it. So I'm just going to go for it um, and not grasp at it mm. um, by, like, you know, the taking Saul's life by bringing it about on his own. Amen. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it, if you think about it, it's it's human. And as human, what do we do? We, we sometimes we want that revenge, right? <laughs> we really kind of want to take that revenge. And sometimes we actually do with our responses, with our words. So it's not just necessarily with our actions. We sometimes respond with our words. And that's not always a good thing. And at those moments, it's kind of like, are we listening and taking um, listening to ourselves for how does it respond? Or are we listening how God is asking us to respond? always something to keep in mind mm -hmm. at one point Saul threw a, a spear at him right yes <laughs> and, and he, he evaded <laughs> yes well, and he <laughs> David could have easily that that's when Saul was kind of losing his mind right? right and David could have easily grabbed the spear and, and threw it back but he didn't okay so here's a question what if David didn't have to go through any of that what kind of king do you think he would have been do you think Good the trial question. made him a better king? Wow. Oh, my gosh. Well, I haven't contemplated it before, but just, you know, just bringing it to mind. I mean, the first thought is, yeah, because if you think about any time that we've gone through the trials in our lives, what's the, what's that doing? You know, it is, it is bringing us closer to God through those times. I mean, we think how much more we're strengthened and how we want to persevere and how we can actually look back through the most difficult times and when we've invoked the Lord and we see that, yeah, he actually got me through this. So that these next times that we do have these trials, it's just like we've already been strengthened through the gifts that God has given us through the last trials that we endured. So, yeah, I mean, that's the first thought that comes to mind. I haven't really reflected on it, but I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, especially after David, too, we kind of jumped over the whole Goliath episode. Yeah. Right. So he kind of reached that pinnacle, right, of... Uh, <laughs> wow, you know, I just, I just slayed the giant and kind of top of the world. And then all the trials come. Right. right. Yeah. And it makes me think all, all of the, the trust that he had to have, the perseverance that he had to have, um, the steadfastness. And I'm sure amidst all of that, the utter trust and um, confidence in the Lord through all of that. Would just probably, yeah, made him a much better king. And it, it makes me reflect on, okay, even just our first question of, well, how could this be happening? What have I done? Why me, Lord? Is this really a part of your plan? And actually, maybe it was all of that that cultivated him to be the king, that is that the Lord is stretching us to come into whatever he is calling us to. Yep. And obviously with whatever it is that he's calling us to, we have to remember is uh, when I was in seminary in formation, um, my spiritual director said, if it is what are your being, if what, whatever it is that God is calling to you, 
he's going to give you the corresponding graces to fulfill your ministry. Mm. So, you know, we read about David and like you said, he was anointed at a very young age. He was not questioning who it is that's being called. And obviously, um, when uh, Samuel was looking to see who it is that he was going to anoint, you know, God's saying, don't, don't look at the appearance. You know, you want to look at the heart. And, you know, we might be looking at somebody and saying, really? You want this one to be the king? You want this one to be your priest or bishop? God's not looking at that. And obviously, he's going to see the heart, and he's going to give us the necessary graces we need to fulfill our ministry if we are obedient to him. And obviously, we know there's going to be times where David is not. Yeah. Christiana, you were called to be a youth minister at a pretty young age. I mean, have you gone through any of this in in, in your journey where you felt that this is what where God was leading you to serve? And there's a long period of time there between when you first heard that call and college and then stepping into youth ministry. Did you ever question that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think especially when uh, you're in that that time of waiting <clears throat> for that to actually come about. Um, I know there are different points through college where there was a little bit of that question. Um, but I think overall I like mostly felt pretty secure in this is what I'm called to do. And I was so excited about learning um, that I don't think I really felt like it was a struggle. But I would say last year as I was wrapping up my time as a missionary and was thinking about what's next, that was really like a period of time where I really struggled to figure out, okay, what is next? And what am I supposed to do? And where do I go from here? And I knew I wanted to stay in ministry, but to be honest, even after mostly spending my time in college with the thought of youth ministry, and then two years working with middle school and high school, I still was not sure if I was supposed to be mm -hmm. like a youth minister, if I should go do something different. Um, but yeah, I think I had been given advice to not do anything drastic in a, in a season where we are questioning, um, but just to stay steady in what we had previously felt the Lord was calling us to. And so now in hindsight, I can look back through all the struggle and see, okay, the Lord prepared me through schooling, through two years of hands-on experience. Like I'm so blessed. Like I feel so equipped to be in the job that I'm in right now mm -hmm. and to be working with kids every day. Um, and in a lot of situations, I feel like I generally have a really good grasp of what I should do. And so I can see how the Lord used even those times of waiting to prepare me for now. And I think that's the beauty of it is like when we come out of the struggle, we see what the Lord was doing. Mm. I look back over some of the steps that I've taken through career changes, ministry, whatever, where, um, 
I feel like I'm still on this on the right path, but I, but I make the decisions, and it, it's more a case of asking God to to bless my efforts mm-hmm. <laughs> than really asking, Lord, where where do you want me to turn next, or where do you want me to go? And that really does that get at the heart, Father, then of what it means to be a man after God's own heart? Absolutely. There's discernment involved, and also listening to others. Because God obviously was speaking through prophets. He was speaking through somebody to talk to David. God is always speaking to others to speak to us. It doesn't matter if you're a priest or a bishop. God is always speaking to us, sometimes directly and sometimes through others. But yes, absolutely, I, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. So, so to be a man or woman after God's heart is really having that attentive ear to him always. Is that what you're saying, Father? Absolutely. I mean, it's 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 ongoing discernment daily. I mean, I mean, we always have to be listening to what the Lord is saying because there's not a day that does not go by where God is not asking us or calling us to do something. And whether we're going to choose his will or our own will is going to make the difference. And it's we have to also remind ourselves that our actions when we don't listen to them will have consequences not only for ourselves for others. And it reminds me of, you know, David at the very end of Samuel uh, taking that census and how his actions from taking the census have an effect not only on him, but as his people. Because God says, okay, you have three things you're going to choose. You know, you can choose the family, you can choose the plague, or you can choose somebody who's going to be pursuing you. And it's very hard because our sinful ways, when we listen to our own will and not God's, not only have consequences for ourselves, but for others. Can you put that into context for yeah. us? Is that after Bathsheba? Yes. So in other words, this is towards the very, very end of Second um, Samuel, where he's taking a census, and God, obviously, that's one of those trust issues. You, mm. you have enough people to do what it is you need to do. God will take care of it. And so he does take this census, and obviously this is when the judgment's going to come, and he can't choose, and he does not want to be pursued by somebody. He doesn't want to be... Um, uh, fall at the hands of man, so this plague starts to break out. But obviously, uh, David, he is just so sorrowful. God sees what it is that's happening with all these people dying, and so then he relents of the rest of the plague, and it lets up. But yes, this was after the the time of Bathsheba. Father Dan Olvera and Christiana Lee here in the St. Gabriel Cafe. Glad to have you with us this morning. Good to be here. Well... <clears throat> Father, if I could ask, actually, um, in terms of practically, because we were saying to God is always asking us every day. Mm-hmm. Um, he's speaking to us every day. But any just practicals on how to maybe attune our ear more to his word, to oh. how to hear him in our lives? Oh, my goodness. Yes. I mean, I advise people that are not priest or religious because priest or religious should be in front of the blessed sacrament. Every, just about every single day, and I do make it a point to do that because uh, Fulton Sheen says, you know, if you can't be near the fire, if, you, if you're not near the fires of the tabernacle, how can you spark um, uh, a fire in your homilies? What, what, mm. what can you do? Mm-hmm. So you have to have the Word of God in front of you. Fulton Sheen would even say, take the uh, office of readings um, in the morning that you pray and pray before the Blessed Sacrament. You have the Psalms in front of you, you have Scripture. God is going to speak to our hearts in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. He is going to guide us and lead us. 
And sometimes he's also going to tell us these people that we need in our lives to actually take us to the next step. Because again, we can get it in our minds that we can do so much on our own. And intellect sometimes can actually obscure how it is that we're supposed to act, which is why we need somebody else to kind of give that objective perspective outside of our own intellect to say, no, I don't think this is what it is you should be doing. But God, obviously, he's really going to speak to you. I, I try and tell uh, those who are not priests or religious to get in front of the Blessed Sacrament at least once a week for about an hour, even if Christ is not exposed in the monstrance. Take scripture in with you. Do some Lexio Divina. Uh, have Ask the Lord. Be honest with him. He is going to lead. He is going to help you discern where it is that you need to go. For mm-hmm. five years, for five years, I discerned where it is that the Lord was calling me to be. And it wasn't until after that five-year period of discernment that I heard God in his presence, being in the presence of the tabernacle, where it is that he wanted me, and that was priesthood. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Five years. Five years. Five years of discernment. That is steadfastness. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I looked into Franciscan life first, then Benedictine. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think you made the right choice. <laughs> oh, I, I will go with the choice that God made. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is all good. Talking about, um, hmm, there's so much more that we can talk about with David. Yes. How about the Psalms? Um, yeah. you, you mentioned the Psalms as, as a part of the uh, liturgy of the hours. Wow. Mm-hmm. Just in, in my own prayer experience, uh, They've really come alive for me over, uh, probably over the last, well, actually it started during COVID <laughs> when I was able to spend more time with, uh, with the hours, with the divine office, actually praying them and just not, you know, cranking through them. Yes. And, and, and that's where I really fell more in love with David as well, because his heart is just in every situation joy, sorrow, lament, anger. I mean, every human emotion is laid out there in the Psalms. And even if I couldn't personally relate at that point, being the prayer of the church, somebody in the world is feeling, or are they, they are feeling those emotions. And, and just being united that way with other people to pray through these situations for somebody perhaps that isn't able to just really opened up the whole psalm experience. Oh my goodness, yes. I mean, just as a priest, um, it's actually a privilege to be able to read the psalms. And one thing that we have to remember is, as priests or religious, that we need to stop our day because obviously you have your officer reading your morning prayer, your midday prayer, uh, your evening prayer. Well, there's a midday prayer in there for a reason, because we can get so caught up in our busy lives that it's just like the Lord wants us to stop and say, you know what? Stop. Think about me. Let's take a little bit of time. And we have these Psalms that we can use to think about the Lord and also praise him for the day, because so many of them are praises to God. And how is it that we're supposed to praise him? How do we know to how, how to, to say thank you or to ask? You know, St. Augustine saw in the Psalms that this is a way that we can actually worship and pray and praise God for all that he has given to us in our life, the creation, the difficult times, because there's so many, as you said, Dave, that you can relate to. And it's almost kind of like these Psalms are speaking to us 
uh, that were written what so many years ago is speaking to the hearts today and it's a way that we can express what's actually inside of us it's very very hard to do sometimes but the psalms allow us to do this there's 150 of them that we can always choose there's not one that you cannot relate to and as you say when you get up in the morning it's not just saying the psalms it's praying the psalms you take them to your heart because I can from time to time, I admit it, I don't know if this confession or not, you know, you, you do say the Psalms, and I, I have to catch myself, the Holy Spirit stops me and says, you know what, you're saying this, you're not praying it, you mm-hmm. really need to look at these words, mm-hmm. and then every single time you do, no matter, matter how many times you read them, there's something else that you're going to get from it, and it's going to speak to your heart, and it's something that you can relate to, and just keep it back to God, it's something how we can express our praise and thanks to Him, mm-hmm. yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, I, I'll admit that I'm not great at reading or praying the Psalms and, but I have heard, you know, these are the very same prayers that Jesus also prayed and that they're there for us to praise God. This is a way that God wants to be praised. And so that to me points out, okay, I, I need to make this a greater part of my life. Anything else on David or the Psalms, or shall we move on, ladies? Oh, I'm sure there's so much more, but yeah. we'll, we'll come back we'll, for a part two because yeah. there is a. Let's just do a show, a show on the uh, on the Psalms. Amen. Amen. All right, but Amanda and Christiana. To, yeah, speaking to speaking to hearts, Jesus really did that to the woman at the well, mm-hmm. right? And Christiana, if I'm not mistaken, you you did your thesis on women in the Bible. Um, yeah, so my thesis, I feel like most people, um, has an excessively long title. Um, (laughs) so, but basically my thesis was on, um, JP2's insights on the Samaritan woman and how it can shape women's ministry Mm. from missionary, or sorry, from personal encounter to missionary discipleship. Um, so... Really what drew me to that as a thesis was, I would say in the last two to two and a half years of college, I was just so profoundly moved by learning and starting to notice in my own personal prayer or in talks or in podcasts, I felt like I just continuously kept coming across just how radical it was, like just the way that Jesus ministered to women throughout the gospels and so any chance I got in the class to write a paper or um, spend some of my dedicated study time on Jesus's ministry to women that's what I did and so um, the Samaritan woman is kind of the the highlight she's the moment as the kids would say Um, (laughs) uh, but yeah like she um, it's the longest account in all of the gospels between Jesus having a conversation with any other person. Um, it's John four verses four through 42. And it is a really long dialogue and there's a lot of back and forth and it's, there's a lot to unpack. That's for sure. What's one of the main themes in the story with the woman at the well that stands out to you? Mm. Yeah. So Jesus meets her where she's at, right at the well, at the, the peak um, heat of the day, the hottest part of the day. 
And in the beginning of their conversation, it's all political and religious back and forth. And she's bringing up, um, uh, she's bringing up, oh, wow, my mind is slipping. Oh, yeah, she's talking about um, their fathers and uh, Jacob at the well. And Jesus, like, actually engages with her in where she wants to go with the conversation. And then there's this turning point where he goes from this religious political banter to basically telling her that he knows everything about her, which would be really shocking (laughs) to suddenly have someone tell you probably the most shameful parts of yourself. Sure. And, but to do it with so much love to the point where, you know, Jesus states like, that he is a living water. That's what she's longing for. And if she would ask, he would give her that living water. And it's in both the her pursuit of the truth, but also just her own hunger for being known and um and her desire for a savior that She's like, okay, give me this water. Yeah. Um, but at, at that point in her day, it almost seemed from her perspective, a bad day just got worse, right? I mean, yeah, so she's sure. in the heat of the day, ostracized mm-hmm. by, by her community, mm-hmm. alone. Here's this man coming and, and tell me all the bad things I've yeah, done in my and, life. And then this guy, <laughs> this complete stranger, a Jew shows up. Right. He's asking me for water. Yeah. I can do more work. Yeah. And it's like, seriously? This is a good point. Is this the way <laughs> my day is going to go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, Be- and yet he sees deeper than that. And he's like, no, I mm-hmm. have something for you. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing, too, because not only was there that cultural kind of norm where Jews and Samaritans didn't interact, but she was alone. And we see that the disciples had just gone off to go get food. So Jesus was alone. So like that type of a social interaction was like never acceptable. And then Jesus addresses her, um, which is actually super countercultural to the time because men did not address women. Um, And so the fact that Jesus is the first to speak is actually really profound and just like a reflection of that God desires to speak to us and he's willing to break um, whatever norm or whatever um, wall stands between him and us. Like he actually wants to speak to us. Yeah. Actually, this gets to a good point that I literally just heard the other day, which I had never heard about the woman at the well is so Jesus in his journey is going from Judea to Galilee And most Jews would have gone Mm -hmm. around Samaria, but in the beginning, he said, it says that he told his disciples, he has to go through Samaria. He's like, Mm -hmm. so they had, and and it's not for a geographical reason. It's because he's seeking her out. He has an appointment. Yeah. Yeah. He has a divine appointment. It was a mission. It was a little mission trip. Yeah. (laughs) So he's literally seeking her, her out. He's 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the beauty of that, right? Like, like you said, Christiana, that he comes and he breaks down our walls and mm-hmm. breaks through our social norms and, and meets us where we're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I could literally talk about this for so long, which I did. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a really long paper. Um, but, uh, something that I found really intriguing in, um, some of my research was that the Samaritans actually, if we're like thinking of, you know, like the Hebrew scriptures, we have our Bible, um, for the Samaritans, their scripture was just the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. Um, and they generally speaking, completely rejected the prophets because the prophets constantly called out the Samaritans and, um, so it's very interesting because her first kind of um, statement towards Jesus about who Jesus is, is that she says, I can see that you are a prophet. Mm-hmm. And so for her context, not a she, compliment. Well, actually, so because of Moses, they actually considered Moses to be the only prophet mm-hmm. and, um, but Moses said that he, there would be another, right? So there would be one other. And um, they were not looking and waiting for a Messiah, as in like the anointed one, as a savior, like the Jews were. That was like a huge difference between the Jews and the Samaritans. And um, so she acknowledges Jesus as a prophet, possibly as the one that Moses promised. And then later on um, in their conversation, after Jesus has gone a little bit more into you will worship in spirit and truth and um, basically stating that like everyone is going to worship the same God and that salvation is through the Jews. Um, She then goes on to basically acknowledge Um, Jesus as the Messiah. And so it's really interesting because you can even see that there's a shift um, in in her mind with her context from thinking of this, this man is probably just a prophet, which even that statement in and of itself is still intriguing because Jesus hadn't really said a whole lot for her to really actually get a sense of that. Um, and so that, to me, is just like a, a beautiful reflection just to think of what Jesus as a person and just talking to him and looking at him, like how that would have affected you. Mm-hmm. You know, if he was like sitting here with us, like just his personality and his demeanor, like there would have been something so different and so captivating that you would acknowledge like, okay, there's something, something is up with you like i don't know what it is maybe you're a prophet yeah (laughs) christiana and father over were talking about biblical figures and right now specifically the woman at the well and so father over i i'm we're talking about how maybe the samaritans weren't really even looking for a messiah could you tell us maybe so would this be a sign of her hope against hope almost 
Well, yeah. Well, first of all, I don't know if you know this, but she is actually considered a saint in the Roman martyrology. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I'm sure Christina, Christiana knew this. Yeah. Saint Photina. Yeah. P-H-O-T-I-N-A, or it might go by something else. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, this that's kind of neat because somebody obviously says, oh, I can choose her as a saint name for my confirmation name. There you go. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah. So you have these <laughs> Samaritans, and they would have had this different region. So as you said... Christ could have taken the long way around. Uh, Samaria was, was going to go straight through, but he had this mission to speak with her. And obviously, what's going on here would have been really, really difficult. So the Samaritans and them did not get along because there was a time back in the Old Testament where the Samaritans uh, were wanting to actually help rebuild the temple because they were part of the Jewish people at one time. But the they uh, started to intermarry into a different culture and things so their their lineage was not as pure and when they wanted to help rebuild uh the temple they were ultimately rejected by the jews that said no so there was a long history there of them just saying oh gosh you know we we, we don't want any interaction with each other so for as christiana was uh saying this encounter with christ and this woman would have been significant and as we know this is the only biblical account that we have, and it's very specific, it's very long, it's in here for a reason, and John obviously wanted to record it for a reason. So what's what's happening? As Christiana is alluding to, we have this, this, this center of the day where it's going to be really hot. Now, I don't know about you, but when I get tired and hot sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the last thing I want to do is evangelize. <laughs> and here it is. I'm going to be with somebody that I don't even know, somebody that actually we're not supposed to have a good relationship with, somebody not mm -hmm. really to interact with. And this is God saying, you know what? When we're down and we're tired, there's still a mission involved. And it's amazing because mm -hmm. sometimes how I do meet some of these people that God gives you the Holy Spirit to really start to evangelize. And what is, what's he doing? God would have been thirsty. He wants water. He is human. He's physical. You know, the disciples are out. The apostles are going out to get something to eat. Christ is saying, gosh, I need something to drink here. And she is starting to see that this, this man is something very, very special. So when he talks about this living water, that's what it is, is the body needs water to exist. I mean, what percentage of our body is water? We just need it constantly. Well, Christ has something more to offer, which is why he's mm -hmm. referred to as the living water. And he's trying to tell her, look, this water that I will give you, you know, will continue to refresh you. You will never thirst again. And mm -hmm. so she's trying to figure out this whole entire dialogue that's going on. And mm -hmm. what is going on is these are steps to evangelization. So when I hear about this story, it's a conversion story. It's evangelization. And as Christiana said, He's meeting this woman where it is that she is and taking her along this journey until the very end where she's like, oh my gosh, could this be the Messiah? And so she feels, she gets that living water. She's before Christ. She is refreshed. Yes, her sins are, are known, but sometimes we need to expose our sins to bring them to light and get rid of them. You know, the devil wants us to keep them and, and not expose them to the light. But when we expose them to the light of Christ, oh my gosh, he's, he's going to refresh us. And was, what, what happens after this episode? She goes and she evangelizes. She has right. it within us and brings other people to Christ. How seen must she, and must she have felt, how free must she have felt mm -hmm. to have her sins kind of out in the open and yet yeah. he's still there ministering to her and loving her? I think that's the beauty of it is that 
um, we see like this is literally the blueprint for like how to do ministry, how to evangelize. Um, like you meet the person where they are and like take interest in the things that they are interested about. It's really what Jesus does. And then he speaks into her identity um, because he's not only just calling her out, but he's like pointing out like, like this isn't what you were made for. Right. And um, obviously the gospel doesn't really dive deeply into, um, you know, what she was thinking or experiencing, but, um, but yeah, I just have to imagine in that, in that moment, like being both called out, but with like so much love, Yeah. like even when that's happened in my own life, like with someone saying, Hey, <laughs> right. here's, here's something like you said that hurt me or um, I think this is an area you need to grow in or whatever it is. Like when people just lovingly call you on and remind you of like what you were made for, that like just reaffirms like who we were created to be. But I think love is the key we're yeah. there, right? And that's yeah. a call to all of us is mm-hmm. um, to to do that out of love, right? Mm-hmm. To, to hate the sin and not the sinner, mm-hmm. right? To... To see the other as as a child of God and and to yeah. call them to that as well. Well, and how often do we call out somebody's fault or, or you know correct without giving the solution, right? It's yeah. just like you know, man, you really need to work on this. You know, mm-hmm. see ya. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. not what Jesus is doing here. Mm-hmm. He he's providing providing the answer. Yeah, but I think that kind of also the beautiful part of this particular part of the story where he tells her her sins and she comes to see him as you know the prophet and the messiah and then father like you said she she goes and tells others yeah and the beauty of you know to the whole town at that moment she was still perceived as a sinner Mm -hmm. like she had only had this encounter with christ and yet despite the way that she was being perceived by everyone she still went out and said guess what just happened Mm -hmm. And I just had an encounter with the Messiah and come and see. Mm-hmm. And she invited them, despite yeah. how she would have been maybe perceived. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And Christ is not just necessary. You think about her sins and we think about our sins. And then Christ obviously is just not focusing squarely on her sins. He's just like, how can I bring this woman along? You know, we mm-hmm. want to focus on our sins and things. Mm-hmm. But what does she do? She forgets about her sins. Yeah. yeah. You know, and she's just like, I'm mm-hmm. I'm going to go spread the good news. Yeah. This is something that's going to refresh my soul. I have forgiveness here. I got something. I got these this well of water that's springing up with inside of me. And as you said mm-hmm. earlier, Amanda, it's just kind of like she's a Samaritan. And when the apostles come back and they see this interaction, they're like, what in the world is going on? You have mm-hmm. Christ, and he's talking to the Samaritan. It's like, wait, no, wait. It's, it's about us, Lord. And Christ, mm-hmm. what is he saying? I am not going to be just for the Jewish people. I'm going to be for everybody. Mm-hmm. So we can all see ourselves in this uh, woman mm-hmm. by the well and just say, you know what? There is hope for me, too, and God loves me no matter where it is that I am in yeah. my life. The thought that comes to mind is what who God has made free is free indeed. Amen. Mm-hmm. And she lives in that. She doesn't hold on to her sin. She doesn't hold on to her past. She yeah. receives his forgiveness, and then she goes out and shares it. Yes. And, it, and that's what's so amazing is that she, like, boldly went out 
you know and I think that's something just to ask ourselves too like okay like how excited am I when I'm like talking about this man that I know that's changed my life this person this messiah Jesus you know like am I excited do I actually like want to go out and bring people in or am I timid and afraid Mm -hmm. right and um I think it's so beautiful because um yeah as she after she um you know had this encounter with Jesus um in like the tradition of the saints in her story um talk about how she was then later baptized by uh the disciples and um with her family when she found out that there was persecution um happening in Rome they actually went to Rome to like stand with the other Christians wow and she and her sons and her sisters all died mar- and as martyrs in Rome praise god and what's her name again Saint Fotina. Fotina. Mm-hmm. So, Father, in this kind of taking this practical from an example of her life, this idea of either living in freedom or going to Christ with our sins or receiving living water, how can we live out some of her beautiful characteristics in our own life? Oh my gosh! Um, what the the most important one is? Sometimes people think that once we have this encounter with Christ, we keep him to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. The most important thing that we have to remember is what did she do? She went out and shared what it is she encountered with Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, Christ revealed himself, he says, for whom you are speaking, I am he. He reveals himself, I am, that great I am. And she realizes this and she's like, could this be? And she goes out and she shares this. And what happens is with her testimony, she's mm-hmm. sharing this truth that people see this joy, this change in her. Like we have this change through the, you know, the waters of baptism that, you know, give us that sanctifying grace. We don't want to contain it to ourselves. Mm -hmm. We want to share our experiences with others. And we see what happens when we do share these experiences with others, despite the fact that we're sinners, despite the fact that we've had, you know, past lives and things, that when we share our lives with others, it does spark something in people to the point where they actually want to seek. So they're just like, okay, I no longer need her testimony. I'm going to go seek this out myself. And then they start to share, you know, the good news of what is that happened with them. So I think it's that reminder is just like, we don't contain this to ourselves. We need to go out and share this. And I I think that connects so well with what you shared about David is this idea of, okay, if we want to be men and women after God's own heart, then it takes time in scripture. It takes time before the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. It takes that experiential knowledge of Christ mm-hmm. to have that encounter with him. So then that we can go out and share him. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be this, I'm this huge missionary and how do I yeah. do that? And Correct. how do exactly. I evangelize? Mm-hmm. It's like you said, father testimony. And there's not a wasted word in scripture. So spend yeah. some time with the word of God today. Uh, bring them, uh, bring them with you to the, to adoration in front of the Eucharist and uh, and spend some time. Amen. Glory be mm-hmm. to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it, it was, was in the, the beginning, beginning is now, now and ever shall be, a world without, without end. end. Amen. Thank you, friends. We'll be back with you tomorrow at 8 o'clock. God bless.